the songs have become like so central to the public facing identity of the show uh, because that's not always guaranteed. You have stuff like Wonka and the Mean Girls musical movie where it's like, oh, are we putting the fact that we're a musical? Are we wearing that on our sleeve? Um, which I so, so appreciate the fact that this is just like, no, we are a big brash musical. Welcome to Upscreen Pod, where we talk about the exciting crossover between the film and television world and the theater world. I'm your host, Raven Bruner, and for this episode, I will be joined by the Hasbin Hotel composer and songwriter, Sam Haft, to talk about the new Prime Video animated musical comedy series. This show is really great. I'm so excited for this conversation. I cannot recommend the show enough. The show is based on Vivian Madreno's viral YouTube pilot and stars so many big Broadway names like Erica Henningsen, Zephine Rubin Vega, Jeremy Jordan, Keith David, and so many more. Just for a little added context, Hasbin Hotel follows the character Charlie, who is the princess of hell, as she opens up a rehabilitation center for sinners. I hope you enjoy this conversation and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Great, thanks. How are you? I am good. I um, I, I hope you haven't seen all of my crazy has-been hotel fangirling on Twitter, but I have been at large in the community. <laughs> so I was actually going to say, I have seen it and I enjoy it. I'm glad. Yay. Um, I was at the New York City premiere for the show earlier this month, and it was hilarious. I brought my friend with me and we're both huge Jeremy Jordan fans. So every time we saw him, we started like quoting the last five years to each other. And then, as you know, at the after party, he like whipped out moving too fast. And I, oh, yeah. I thought we were going to die. <laughs> uh, I am. I am a huge Jeremy Jordan fan. I'm a huge The Last Five Years fan. Uh, so just seeing him uh, pull that out on such short notice at the uh, at the premiere was uh, mind boggling. I didn't know what everyone was going to sing. I was uh, going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I, I wasn't I mean, I knew that Erica was going to sing Happy Day in Hell and I knew that Blake was going to sing Poison because we had to make sort of piano arrangements of those. But uh, other than that, I was completely surprised by everyone's choices. Uh, it was such a treat to see. And oh my God, seeing uh, seeing Jessica Vosk do uh, uh, Don't Rain on My Parade. Whoa. Blew whoa. my mind. That came from nowhere. It came from nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And you, you got up and performed, was it Toxic by Britney Spears? I did. I did uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time. Oh, that's the one. Is that something you like have in your pocket all the time or is that kind of impromptu? Not at all. Uh, so I had flown in a few days in advance because my co-writer on the show, Andrew Underberg, lives in New York. And oh. so whenever we can get time to work in person, we're much more productive. So I, I flew in in advance for that. Then I found out, oh, well, you know, this thing at the piano bar maybe you guys could do something. And then from at that point, I, you know, I was just listening to everything I could listen to on my Spotify that I like. I was, you know, looking at every, like thinking through every song I'd ever done at karaoke. And eventually we landed on Hit Me Baby one more time. That is exciting. It was so fun to listen to and watch um, the entire night and your performance particularly, because um, that was kind of like a surprise. Everyone else whipped out musical theater songs. Yes, yeah. Uh, and you're I, like, let's get the party started. You know, march march to the beat of a different drummer there. Uh, and also like, I am, 
you know, I, I'm also very aware of like who all these other people are. And like, I am not going to out Broadway these incredible voices of Broadway. It was so funny because, you know, Erica and Blake went up and I was like, man, that was great. And then Keith goes up and I was like, boy, sure hope I don't have to follow that. And then Jessica goes up and I'm like, boy, sure hope I don't have to follow that. And then Jeremy comes, oh, sure hope I don't have to follow that. Like over and over. I was like, oh no, this is, I've made a terrible mistake. Well then, um, was it Christina who brought up like the deep um, Jason Robert Brown song? I was oh, in yeah. such like a whirlwind of emotions. Like I, I blacked out that entire first hour of that party. Yeah, and then also, then after Viv came up and did Rainbow Connection, then uh, one of the journalists, Kristen, I think Kristen. Oh my uh, God, came, she's my best friend. Yes. Kristen Maldonado. Did, uh, You're Gonna Love Me from Dreamgirls. Oh my God, that was incredible. So I have never heard her sing before. We have been friends no for like two way. years and I've never heard time. her sing. I know she used to do theater in like high school. Like I think that she like grew up in the theater community, but like I have hung out with her consistently for two years. I've never heard her sing. The idea that you've known someone for that long and it's like, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, maybe I'll try to do a song. And they go up and they bust that out at that like level of quality. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. She is going to be so tickled when I tell her about this. Um, she's supposed yeah. to be on my next episode where we're going to talk about everything we loved about Has Been Hotel. So <laughs> this will be so fun to like play back for her and be like, so how do you how do you feel about this? The composer yeah. knows who you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. I'm like geeking out for her. Like my face was turning red. <laughs> um, so this first question, I think, is better than any sort of like character background introduction that I could possibly do. And I you can interpret this question in any way. I would love to know which has been hotel character you would call your comfort character and why. Oh, um, I I don't even need to think about it. It's Vox. Uh, because I just, you know, Vox is like he's just the 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 conceptually like the evil TV host that also hosts every show on TV. I love as a character conceptually, like just on on that level. And then when you add the performance by Christian Borle, it just takes it to this next. He is so completely loathsome and such a con man. And I love a loathsome con man. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So a tweet that I have banked to go out probably later, but could go out now if I needed it to, is that stayed gone deserves the same amount of fan attention that like Respectless is getting. The way that I listen to that and I'm immediately a villain. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's just two, two bad guys having a bad off. And it's so fun to like let them unleash that energy on each other. And it's like you said, it's the, to me, like my favorite part of the whole song is like his broadcast moment and like maybe 30 seconds in where he's like going on the, the TV shows and he's just talking really fast. Incredible oh, yeah. that you were able to turn that into a song. It's, you know, it was from the outset. I remember when we were talking about like what to do for that song. I remember Vivienne was super specific that she was like, he needs to have a lot of patter. Like he's hosting TV all throughout hell right now. So just the density of the like 
fast talking con man huckster vibes needs to be so present. And so we just like, we, that whole section is so stuffed to the brim with syllables that I remember when we first got in the booth, I was like, oh boy, this is, this is going to be one hell of a session. And Christian just knocked it out of the park. Of course he did. You had like the best person doing that song too. He's just so like talented across so many different like genres, so you know. Phenomenal. And I have to say as well, like, you know, I love a great baritone and I feel like, you know, theater has been slowly erasing the baritone and his the the his, when Christian gets like deep and sinister, I just love that quality to his voice. Yes. Well, since we're over here fan, fanning out over Christian Borrell, um, you know, the show came out a few weeks ago. I would love to know how you feel about like the general fan response so far. And if there's been anything like in particular that's excited you. Um, It's been amazing. Honestly, it's, you know, I don't know what I was expecting. I mean, I was certainly like, I know how active and engaged the fan base is. So I was expecting the fan base to go nuts. I was not expecting the much wider net that has been cast like it just is so the the first of all like the degree to which the uh, the attention that the fan base is paying uh, to the songs uh the degree to which the songs have become like so central to the public facing identity of the show uh because that's not always guaranteed you have stuff like Wonka and the Mean Girls musical movie where it's like oh are we putting the fact that we're a musical, are we wearing that on our sleeve? Um, which I so, so appreciate the fact that this is just like, no, we are a big brash musical. I love yes. that. Um, and I also like, I love the attention that the, that the critics are paying to the music who are like, not people who are, you know, necessarily like already fans or, you know, like already love these characters and are just ready to go see them sing already. So it, it's, it's been uh, so exciting to see that kind of response. Yeah, definitely. And kind of coming from like that critic perspective, I had no idea of Hasbin Hotel before I watched the screeners for the Amazon Prime series. And now that I like, I watched it, I fell in love with it. I went back and I watched the pilot last weekend. I'm making my way through Hell of a Boss, which I know you worked on prior yes. to the Prime video series. Like you guys have just, I think, exposed a, an entirely new audience to something that already had such a devoted fan base. Totally. And I think, you know, a, a very big key part of that is is Vivienne and her her identity uh, as an as an artist. And I think, you know, something that she's talked about a lot as a creator is she says uh, you need to make the kind of thing that you want to watch. You can't just make the kind of thing that you think there's an audience for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she is. Uh, a devoted lover of animation, but also a devoted theater kid. And I think she has tapped into that Venn diagram of the animation loving theater kid in a way that like no one ever has. I mean, and she invented that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing to watch this niche grow and bloom and the and the you know, theater kids all over the world to say, I am here for this. It's so cool. Yes, I know in one of my early um, tweets about the show, I compared it to Gleeks in the same way. I feel like the show was really like paving a path for musical theater people in like a genre that hasn't represented them beforehand. A hundred percent. That's a great comparison. I, I'm so glad you understand it because I feel like I tweeted it and everyone was like, what is this bitch talking about? <laughs> well, you know, I think in 
in the sort of 10,000 10, feet down, I think the the discourse around Glee has gotten a little like weird and negative when the cultural impact it had when it dropped was enormous. I mean, yes. it put Don't Stop Believing back on the charts. Like it, it, it was such a phenomenon. And I think a lot of people have memory hold the degree to which it had pop culture in a chokehold. So getting a bit of background on you, I know we mentioned before that you worked on Hell of a Boss prior to Hasbin Hotel. Did you work on the original pilot at all? I did not. I didn't work on the pilot for Hasbin Hotel and I didn't work on the pilot first episode uh, or pilot and first episode of uh, Hell of a Boss. Mm -hmm. I started uh, with Viv on the second episode of Hell of a Boss. Uh, my first song I wrote for her was a song called You Will Be Okay, which was kind of a very sentimental lullaby song sung by one of the characters to in a flashback to their child, uh, which was also like very, it hit at just the right time for me as a songwriter, because at the time my son had just turned one, I was having a lot of the feelings that are expressed in the song myself. And so the song got to serve a very sort of personal therapeutic purpose that is so unusual particularly for comedy songwriting that almost never happens that there's something like that there's like a really personal core to songwriting something in a comedy like that but but that is as i have since learned such a core part of vivienne's creative dna is that these are funny but they do not try to be cooler than being sentimental. Like they are very openly emotional and emotionally honest shows. And, you know, they they will have these really poignant moments that are then punctuated by humor, but it doesn't shy away from those moments, which is so cool to see. Cause I feel like a lot of comedy has been, has just the tongue so firmly planted in cheek where it's almost like embarrassed to be making jokes so everything comes off like sarcasm and it's just great to see something so earnest out in the world yes definitely and like for me that's something that I feel like musical theater has always been so big on more than like tv like for me there's Absolutely. nothing that hits more than like a upbeat or like rock musical theater song and then the lyrics are just like everyone's dead <laughs> I'm sad <laughs> yeah totally so getting into like really the the bulk of the show, the show has so many like notorious Broadway voices like Daphne Rubin Vega, Darren Chris, Jeremy Jordan. Were you aware of the cast before writing the songs? Uh, most of them. Um, yeah. You know, I the first two songs we wrote actually are for episode five, which is dropping the evening that we're recording this. Uh, and, the, and that was because I, I remember it being a very high priority to find someone to play Lucifer. Like that was mm. such a big deal. Uh, and so those ended up being the two first songs that Andrew and I wrote because the idea was to send them out to the, to the you know, potential Lucifers. Um, and so that, that was, those ones we didn't know who everyone was going to be. But outside of those two songs, uh, we we knew who everyone was going to be, although we didn't know how they were going to sound. For example, like we didn't know what Alex's serpentious voice was going to be. Um, we knew that there was this 
total newcomer named Blake who was going to be Angel Dust, but we didn't know what he sounded like. You know, we hadn't, we, you know, in terms of like familiarity enough that it's like, well, I know what their voice sounds like. You know, we definitely knew like, oh, Erica, I know what Erica sounds like. Keith, I know what Keith sounds like. There were there were members, Christian, there were members of the cast, Jeremy, where it's like, okay, now, now that I know your cast, I know your voice. Um, but there were also people like even Alex, who is such a known entity in Broadway. I didn't know what he was going to be bringing to Pentius because he's such a chameleon. Mm -hmm. Is there, are there any of the songs that you would say changed kind of, I guess, a lot um, after you heard the voices of the characters? Uh, I think, you know, actually in, uh, there's a song called Hell's Greatest Dad, which was the first song we wrote. Um, but once, once we had Jeremy confirmed, uh, I think the, the way that the song is played became pretty different. Uh, and I think that is part of, Jeremy has this amazing kind of manic energy he can tap into. And once we got a sense of that, it, we, in the recording session, I mean, this wasn't even something where like, we found out it's Jeremy and now let's retool it. It's once we got in a session with him, we realized, oh, he had all this. So mm -hmm. let's let's tap into the the mania of Lucifer and just make him like really bouncing off the walls in ways that weren't the case when the song was in demo form. The song you're referring to, is that the duet between Lucifer and Alistair? That's right. Yes. Oh, that song's Great insane. Yeah. I texted, so I actually texted Kristen because we both get the screeners at the same time. And I was like, this does not sound like Jeremy at all. And then it wasn't until the ballad at the end of the episode that I was like, oh my God, it's little baby. It's Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the other interesting thing is like Jeremy, in spite of the fact that like he is, you know, he's like one of the great leading men in Broadway right now, like just so, so phenomenal. Um, and, but like a lot of, a lot of what I picture when I picture Jeremy is Jeremy being very Jeremy. Yes. And Lucifer is such a character for him in a way that we didn't anticipate until he got into the booth where like, he's really doing a thing as Lucifer where, uh, where we didn't, you know, like I was, I was just thinking like, we're going to get this like very kind of earnest last five years, like the J the Jeremy Jordan that exists in my head. But that is not the Jeremy Jordan that existed in our booth. The kind of like manic, almost like I would say there's even like a touch of like Robin Williams in the way he plays Lucifer. A and it is so that kind of like high energy, super bubbly, but like super neurotic Thing that he's doing uh, totally changed the dynamic of the song. Yeah. So my next question for you was, who surprised you the most in the recording studio? And would you say it was Jeremy? I think yes. I think Jeremy definitely is. I, 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 you know, in the booth there were a lot of surprises. Frankly, I mean, one of the surprises was just like the discovery of Blake Roman as a talent. Oh, I'm obsessed with him. I'm yeah. about to buy tickets to Harmony. Absolutely. I mean, he is like, he is a once in a generation talent and you, you can't getting in the booth with him. Uh, you know, there, there is a degree of like post-production when you're working on anyone's voice. And I remember 
bringing his like comps of what he did at the end of Poison where he's crying into the software and being like, oh my God, he's crying on pitch. That's unbelievable. I've never seen that before. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that was just the discovery of Blake is such a shock. Um, the the voice that Alex does for Pentius was a hilarious surprise. Um, Alex doing his like mouth guitar solo, as I call it, as Adam, because I, I, when we got to that point, I was just like, you know, just improvise a couple different options of what Adam's obnoxious mouth guitar solo could be. And he did, and it was incredible. Uh, and, and then there was also, of course, like Darren as St. Peter. I did not know what to expect. Yeah, no, the, the sort of the Michael Jackson energy that he gave St. Peter was such a surprise. And the way we like leaned into that hard, the moment we, we found it in the booth. Uh, I think that's that in a lot of ways, the directing is the most fun part of this because it has the most variables because mm. Andrew and I can, you know, we we write a demo and we record scratch vocals and stuff, but th the biggest variable is always what the actor brings to it. And the actors always bring something totally unique to their own performance that feels totally different from the demo. And it's so fun to like explore and find what those things are. That is exciting to hear about kind of the evolution of the St. Peter character through uh, to the finale, because for me, I heard, um, is it Welcome to Heaven? The song yeah. that he sings in the sixth episode. And I was like, this is so disco pop, but it like immediately reminded me of his EP Masquerade, where he has all those like high energy songs that make you feel like you're like, partying at like the disco in like the 80s in France or something. Totally. And I mean, he was, it, it's it's not often that you can find moments in a song that are not built to be jokes where you find jokes. And he had us just laughing almost on the ground when he started doing those like Michael Jackson ad lib, like, hey, sounds in Welcome to Heaven. Like we were losing it. And and that's all the kind of dynamic that that he brought to the role and the humor that he brought to the role. That is so awesome to hear. So I have three more questions. I don't want to keep you up or keep you on here for too long because I could talk to you all day, literally. Um, I know that the songwriting process was a collaborative effort with you know, you and Andrew Underberg, and then I'm sure Vivian also pitched, chimed in a lot. What did this, um, what did this collaborative process look like? So uh, generally, we, before every song or every set of songs, uh, I think in season one, yeah, I think we had, it, we separated it episode by episode. We would have like a long Zoom call uh, with Viv and we would, just basically ask every possible question. And part of that is like really getting the sense, because we do have a lot of creative freedom with what we do, the main thing that we wanna know is like, what are the like three things that this song needs to accomplish? Um, what are the sort of sonic identities of the characters participating in the song? Because so much of the music in the show reflects whoever is singing it. Uh, and then the other thing is like figuring out where the where the box around 
what our, our creative freedom is. Like, you know, how weird can we get? How much time do we have? Uh, what characters can chime in and participate? All of that stuff, like feeling out the boundaries of if we did this, does that not make sense for the song? So it's, you know, figuring out what not to do and figuring out like the the absolute minimum thing that this song needs to do. And then from there, using those to triangulate a general creative direction. And then, that you know, Andrew and I would go off and, and create a full front to back demo and deliver the demo. And then that would then get notes on it and we would refine it and iterate. Um, but generally speaking, it would be like one big kickoff meeting and then a full demo. And after that, refining it or in one example, which the song that ended up being It Starts With Sorry, we actually that was the one time that we completely scrapped a song and started it over. So a lot of the songs have like a lot of profanity and like sexual innuendos yeah. in them. Were there any songs that you were scared to bring to Prime Video? Like, was there anything you're like, oh, my God, they're going to kill me? Um, so actually the, and, and it wasn't scrapped for this reason, but the scrapped song that ended up being, it starts with sorry. Initially we had a much, much more like vulgar version of a song there where like, we were really going for the comedy of the way that like Pentius is just like, is not capable of saying sorry without like self-flagellating and that kind of thing where like, you ever meet that person who can't just be like, sorry, they're just like, I'm the worst, I'm so dumb and like blah, blah, that kind of thing. And like, we like leaned into that really hard with Penn in the first iteration of the song, but that didn't even get to Prime Video. I mean, we, we presented that to Viv and she was like, this is really, really funny, but I think we need to go for a really sincere moment here. So we we like went back and like totally reapproached the song in a really earnest way. And I think it it, you know, ultimately the comedy of the sincerity with Penn, I actually think plays better than just like being funny and vulgar with how much Penn hates himself. Mm, yeah, no, that's great. Are we going to get that vulgar song, though, as like a bonus track? I would love to hear it. You know it. what? I'll, yeah. I'll talk to to Prime and A24. I would, I would show the world uh, what almost happened. <laughs> Let them know that I am begging for it. I've actually been really dying um, seeing um, Alex Brightman in the later episodes because like episode six, he was like half of that episode because oh, you have yeah. Sir Sir Pentius and Cherry Bomb and then you also have like Adam and everyone in heaven. I was like, I hope he got a huge check for this. He's the entire episode. Yeah, Alex is just like, he is so, so amazing. And the fact that at like, Adam and Serpentius are such big characters and yet feel nothing alike. That yes. is so uncommon to have one performer playing two characters that are that big that it's like they don't even feel like they're in the same, that, that they feel like completely different people. It's not like, oh yeah, I get it. That's just one guy. Like if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. So final question, and I know that you probably don't have a lot that you can say about this, but do you have any hope or not hopes, but I guess any teasers for season two? I know the show got a two season order from Prime Video. Um, I think I, I, I don't think anyone will uh, detonate the NDA bomb in the base of my skull if I say there's more music. Oh, oh, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, no, but I don't mean like there's more. I mean, like more than there is in season one, there is music in season two. 
Oh, that's exciting to hear. Is there like a, I guess, a type or, or genre of song that you wrote for an existing character that they didn't sing before? Yes, very okay. much. Uh, yeah, we've done stuff, some stuff with genre in season two that I could not even fathom it's in season one. So there's, yes, there's a lot of like very different stuff. That is crazy because you guys already covered such a wide base of season one. Not a lot was left, but we found it. Wow. Well, I am so excited to see what you guys have cooking for season two in a year or two years from now. And also, I haven't seen the final two episodes, so can't wait to see what's in store there. Mm -hmm. um, you're going yeah. to dig them. Oh, I know. I already know I will. No doubt about it. But thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. And I am loving the show. And it has just been so exciting to see all the fan energy and to have this wonderful conversation with you. Thanks so much. Been great talking to you. Thank you. Bye. Hopefully we'll chat again later down the line. Yes, yeah. Soon. I mean, we're, we're Twitter best friends. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much.